I stretch out like this. Does this look cool? No? It's cool when the yoga girl does it. <laughs> I'm not sure we had to make this any more awkward up here. <laughs> Notice as I shaved my legs earlier. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, that's shit. Oh <laughs> God, that was about Twister. It was. <laughs> that's the name of the song. Ah. I was waiting for them to sing something about Twister. It was just awkward conversation. Well, luckily, it wasn't a song about tornadoes. That would have been cooler than that was. Mm. That was acoustic-y. I was getting ready to have some, like, granola and drink a cup of coffee. Can't say acoustic-y without sticky. Can't, That's true. Can't say Patrick without... And leading into it, Ick. we are 40 going on 14. Wait, what just happened? Welcome to... We're we doing just the intro started now. the show. We're doing... What? Yes, now now has our traditional 30-minute intro. Well, you gotta introduce yourself first. Where we that? I'm Mike. I'm Patrick. And that's it. Okay, nobody else is here. <laughs> Did Joel? you mute yourself again? Oh, I was muted, damn it. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> and I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And you know what? I've had wood for sheep years before I played Settlers of Catan. It's true. And I actually wanted to get the stupid wood for sheep joke out before we start talking about Settlers, because it's kind of played out. Uh, I don't understand any of what you just said. Have you <laughs> ever played Settlers of Catan? <laughs> He's never. Yeah, you, he could have played Settlers of Catan and just never knew, known it. Is that I've a never game? about trading. I've never played it, sir. But oh, I, I, I got the joke because I'm at least familiar with the game. Yeah, it Plus, that joke is like the classic stupid board game joke. Yeah. I got wood for sheep. And <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. I got wood for sheep. I fucked your mom. <laughs> what? Wait. Is that not how the joke goes? <laughs> if you're on Xbox Live. Or oh, okay. Grease mount. <laughs> yes. So, welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> this week, we are talking about board games, as you can tell from Josh's chatter about uh, Settlers of Catan. And uh, we are 40 going on 14. Fuck, I forgot what we're doing next. Uh, you podcast. mean next week? We don't need promo. Podcast. Don't worry about it. Uh, we have no, we we have no voicemails. How about this weekend? Do, do we have a bumper? Should we start again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. This is just too awesome. This weekend... Music. Movies. And TV. All right. See, it's the professionalism that the people expect, so it I is. Wanna, I want to keep that rate going. Yeah, we're gonna keep gonna keep that going. All right, folks. This is exactly what you expect. <laughs> right. All right. This week in 1986, since we couldn't figure any uh, specific date for board games, no, you should we, just made it up. Yeah. Board games were invented in 1986. <laughs> it's the year Richard Gere first played Monopoly. Yes. That never happened. <laughs> no, he never played Monopoly. He actually wasn't a movie. He as did Monopoly. invent the game Simon, though. <laughs> <laughs> that really happened. His favorite game is Pop Goes Soul. <laughs> so anyway, this week in 1986, Highlander came out. You know, there could be only one, but they lied. Yeah. yeah. There could, I, be, I don't, there could be many, apparently. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, there was only one, as far as I know. Yeah. yeah I remember Adrian Paul was at the Gen Con, I think, the year, we, the year I went, if I remember correctly. He was, an, yeah. he was a Highlander. He was. In the TV show, yes. Yeah, he yeah. played Duncan McLeod, or whatever his name was, of he, the Clan McLeod. Does, it, does the TV show count? Uh, he played Connor. Oh, sorry, Connor McLeod. Yeah, Duncan was... Uh, Christopher Lambert? Yeah. Well, is the Highlander TV show considered canon? <laughs> yeah, it is. Josh, you need to do your Kurgan impersonation. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm Candy. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Played brilliantly, brilliantly by... Uh, Clancy uh, motherfucking Clancy, Brown. Yep, Brown, Mr. Krabs. 
nowadays. Yeah, <clears throat> I love that. And the other, the other thing I have for this week, just I tossed in there just because Ray Milan died oh. in 1986. Ooh. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Wait, you don't know who Ray Milan is? No. Are you high? Dial M for murder. You've never seen Are it. Are you either. high, Patrick? Oh, I am, yeah. But no, I don't know that name. What? Yeah. How could you not know Raymo? Okay. I don't know. I just don't. Uh, Love Story? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it? Pat has not seen Yeah, Love I've Story. definitely not seen <laughs> Night Gallery? The Lost Weekend. That's up your alley. Nope. You've never seen The Lost Weekend. The, the Raymo Land Show. <laughs> <laughs> he had a show from six. Raymond and the Boy Boys. Come on, you remember he was a, he was on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Just <laughs> he played Sire Uri. You made that up. No, I'm not making that up. It's right here in the IMDb. He played. He, I did not know that. <laughs> he was he was actually in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> he was actually in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Well, now I just I'm looking foolish. at you. Well, yeah, but just for this right now. Okay, he was in the movie Frogs. How could you not forget that? I did. I, I remember to forget that. Have you ever seen it? No. Where frogs, all the animals attack. Nope. You don't know who Ray Milan Somehow is. Somehow I've managed to avoid this man my whole life. Every movie he's ever been in. Escape to which mountain? Never saw it. The remake the, or the original. Oh, we'll have to change that. We're going to. X, <laughs> the man with the X-ray eyes. Yeah. The Roger Corman classic. Nope. The girl in the red velvet swing. I what? haven't seen no, that, that, but I think terrible. I want to. <laughs> I, I saw the porn remake. Sounds like a really bad detective novel. See, I'm going to IMDb because these guys are just making shit up now. <laughs> but that's just it. We're not. That's the funny thing. We're not. He is. He the is. Pharaoh's Cocoon. Have you seen that one? What? That's not a real movie. You're, that's he was in Bo Jest. He with was Gary in Cooper Game for Vultures. These all sound made up. Her Jungle Love. That definitely sounds made up. It's not. It was made up Made up in 1938. This Tatlock's Millions. Jesus, how, how old are these movies? No wonder I've never seen any of them. Heyday at 40,000 feet? No. The Girl in Yellow Pajamas. <laughs> No. The Million Dollar Fire. Oh my god, can we move on? Rich Man, Poor Man. <laughs> Just a gigolo. He, he had a recurring <laughs> role on Electric Theater. <laughs> uh, he was in the Silver bur. Okay, I John- thought that said the Silver Burrito, but it says a Silver Burrow. Oh, gentlemen, we have derailed again. Let's <laughs> go to TV. Hey, yeah, all right. Nutley. <laughs> And television, this week in 1986, Different Strokes finally ended. Well, how many Different Strokes are there? I mean, I've been working at it for almost 40 years, and I've only got... There's forward and back. (laughs) Right, pretty much. Well, it might be right for you, may not be right for some. (laughs) A man is born as a man of means, but along come two, they got nothing but the jeans. And they're not wearing blue jeans. No, and they got nothing but their jeans. Oh. Like starring... Like uh, jeans jeans on their pants, like their pants, and jeans like in their bodies, their Black. Gary Coleman, Todd Bridges, Conrad Bain. How many of those people are still alive? Conrad Bain. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah. How is that possible? For me, Different Strokes ended with The Bicycle Man. Mr. Hooper. Okay, Wait. I was glad someone was there Mr. for me on Mr. that one. Or Mr. Horton, I'm sorry, Mr. Horton's Bike Shop, starring Gordon Jump, who yep. went on to, was uh, most known for his portrayal on uh, the Big Caribbean, Cincinnati, right? Um, but Gordon and then he Jump, became the Maytag man after that. Yep. That's true. And they're, 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 between that episode and the other very special episode, of different strokes where Kimberly and uh, gets kidnapped. So yeah, between Dudley gets molested and Kimberly gets kidnapped. Those are the two. Yeah, I was like, done when Dudley showed up. What about Dana? Yeah, I was, Dana I was secretly kind of happy when he got molested because I didn't like Dudley. What? What you talking about, Patrick? <laughs> I thought you would have said you were like uh, you you were out when uh, Sam showed up, played by Danny Cookson. Isn't that the kid with the red hair? Cooksey. Yes, Danny Cooksey. Sorry, wrong name. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that the same kid? Yeah. The one got molested? Is, no, no, no. Oh. Dudley was the the friend. Oh, Dudley was the black, the other, the skinny black kid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought they both got molested. Didn't, didn't Sam get molested too? Danny Cooksey? No, no. Uh, Mr. Oh, Horton like, was like uh, feeding them wine and showing them porn. Yeah, yeah. you know what? In my in, in my head, what I think I'm. What you talking about? What you talking about? 
In my head, I think I, I transposed it too. And I, I made Sam the one that got molested. Why? I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm just going to chime in here that I have no friggin' idea what you're talking about. Did you not about. watch Different Strokes? I watched Different Strokes. The only thing I remember is the one where um, uh, Dana Plato's hair turns green because of the acid rain in the copper bowl. That's the only episode I remember. <laughs> I used to watch it so religiously. That and that, and she was in Night Trap in a uh, tra- in a uh, sport bra. Hoyt yeah. Axton played Danny Cooksey's like dad or whatever, and he left him with Conrad Bain, and then he became like once uh, Gary Coleman got too old, he like took over in that role. Yeah, he was their poochie. Yeah, I think there was even a special episode with Simon in it. <laughs> so moving on, Ray Milan played Simon <laughs> and Mr. McNulty. <laughs> um, in music, all I could find was that this is the week that Depeche Mode's Black Celebration album was released. Ah, good album. It's good. Yeah, it's a really good album. Band. How do you not release Black Celebration during February? Uh, I get it. Uh, wow. Wow. They ain't got nothing but the jeans. <laughs> So, before Uh, we start this, because I am in contention with all three of you, we need to define the topic tonight, because I disagree with your definition of our topic. This is a perfect time for us to decide to define what it built for games. (laughs) Why did we not do this all week long? No, we need to do this now because it needs to be part of the show, because people need to understand that what you define as a board game, I would define as something else. All right, well, what do you define as a board game? A game that has a board that folds out, like in checkers, for example. It is a two-piece thing that's connected in the middle that you fold open and then you can play on it. Or it folds in four sections, like Trivial Pursuit Board. Or it's a if one... It, if it doesn't have some kind of cardboard playing surface. Or it could I... be loosely defined... What about what about Caressa Cone, where you've got a whole bunch of little bitty boards? I don't know what Is that, that is. a board game? I don't know what that is. I think you made that up. Is that a Ray Milland <laughs> game? <laughs> yes. Ray Milland in Caressa Cone. <laughs> but it has to have a board. I Like your definition, it's calling Operation a board game. I disagree. There's no board. That is a... Operation... <laughs> yes, there yeah. is. The board is his body. We're calling Jenga right. a board game. There's no board. There's no board. That's a physical board right in front of you. How is that not a board? It's it's a plastic body. So, so you're basically it, it, your your definition is is based on what it's what it's made out of. So like Maybe. it's made out of plastic. It doesn't Parsley? count. What if it's so a vinyl? So wait a second. I have a marble chessboard. So is that no longer a board game because it's not made out of cardboard? Let that one slide. Yeah, I was going to say the Settlers of Catan picture I posted earlier. There isn't one board. The board is made of individual tiles. In this case, because it's a collector's edition, uh, the tiles are wooden, hand-painted, 3D. Uh, I guess you assemble a board out of the tiles, but there isn't one board that folds out. <clears throat> I have a, a deluxe Scrabble game that is nothing but like plastic you know, pieces and everything made to like fit inter- in the interlock grids and everything in the board. That's not, there's nothing cardboard. It's all plastic. Is that not a game? But a Scrabble, a Scrabble has a board. There's a board. But the board is not made out of like cardboard. It's made out a of board. You said what about the- Yahtzee? Ah, about Yahtzee. Uh-huh. Is there a board? I don't remember. You got a score pad? You know, oh, well, let's just say yes for the, for the sake of you. No, because I'm not going to agree if it's not. Uh, it doesn't have a board. I mean, maybe you could say that up to like 1985, that would have been an accurate definition. But board games have moved beyond just like Monopoly and Scrabble and some of the things we're going to talk about. And I don't know. I think that for me, the definition comes from the category that you would find it in a store, whether you're talking a toy store, a Walmart, or a hobby shop, a game shop, a game that has uh, pieces, cards, a set of defined rules, a uh, set a victory condition for either an individual or a team. Maybe everyone's cooperating together, and the victory condition is for the group. You're playing against the board. Basically, any game with components that isn't uh, collectible in nature or isn't a form of collaborative storytelling. 
I like think that leads. I, I think that leads to a little bit, a uh, little bit too broad of a definition of a board game, in my opinion. Because if you go by what you could put on the shelf and you know where, where you stack it in a you know, in a store, I mean, your your main goal is to move product, not to correctly categorize. So I don't necessarily. I mean, you just want to make sure all the games are in the same spot, and you just give it the title "board game" so everybody knows that's where you go. I don't gotcha. That's not necessarily like a you know. You can't say that's like a catalog necessarily. I mean, that's- I'm doing that to not exclude apples to apples and stuff like that, which are card games, but they're non-collectible card games, so that they fit into the board game category. Right. And I, I just think you and I just disagree on on board games being a higher title, like an overarching title for every game. Whereas I think board games is a subgenre of party game, where party games kind of encompass every game that you could play, you know, with multiple people. And board games is just a subdivision of that. Hmm. That's what Yahtzee. I. That's, that's how I see it. Yahtzee, according to Wikipedia, the source for all things truthful on the internet. <laughs> Is listed as a dice game made by Milton Bradley, not a board game. Right, because I would even say, I would say that Yahtzee, I, I would I would definitely say Yahtzee is not a board game per se, but it is definitely a party game. That's how I go about it. Yeah. I like your definition either, Pat. Whereas my definition would probably line up more with BoardGameGeek.com. Now granted, BoardGameGeek has its own different, it has abstract games, customizable games, children's games, family games, party games, strategy games, thematic games, and war games is their category. Yeah, I could I could drive with most of that. Oh. Don't forget the category all games. So then Twister's yes. like a hell of a board game, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Twister's a board game. It's just a really big board that you stand on. It's a plastic sheet and a spinner. So have you been at one point or another? <laughs> I mean, I would say Twister's a board game, but Slip and Slide is not, because there are no rules for Slip and Slide. Right? There can be. And you're not competing. Right. You're not competing for any. Oh the hell you're not. <laughs> You could okay, play games with a slip and slide. But slip and slide itself is not a game. Right. Okay, I'll go with that. Okay. I, uh, we I should have really defined this I, before I, I agreed to this topic. because about board games may be a slight misnomer, because I do want to discuss just party games in general, but we're sticking mostly with board games. Yeah, um, most of the like, stuff on our, our picks, like your your first pick is most certainly a board game. Right, and I, I, I just think maybe maybe in our second half we're going to stray a little bit from the strict board games, but in the first half we're definitely more board game oriented. Oh, nuts. <laughs> I'll be over here in the corner playing Simon. <laughs> Mike, do you have an opinion on what is a board game and what isn't? What? I did up until the point where he was playing Simon. <laughs> I will be. I'll be over here playing Simon until it's my turn to talk. Oh, I Okay, here's the thing. Board game, to me, has been so generally categorized. It's like board game. You can toss anything into a board game depending on how you play it. And Joel, yeah. Yahtzee can be a board game. It depends on what your table's made of. Your, there you your go. table's made of a board? Yeah, your table's made of press board. Uh, we had cardboard tables in college. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we definitely did that. Yeah. Okay, I'll make yeah. you a deal. I will submit for the course of the show to call it... All these all board games. If I can be the dog, <laughs> I always want to be the car, so I'm fine with that. Okay. Shit, yeah. I, gonna... I like. I'll be the hat. I like the hats. Oh, oh no! Oh shit! <laughs> of all the things we're gonna fight over, it's gonna be the hat. <laughs> nice. Fine, you can be the thimble. Nice. Okay. No, nobody ever wants to be the iron. I'm good then. So <clears throat> let's say we go back in time. It's game night. Pat, what game do you pull off the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> well, risk, of course. Oh, Jesus. I have a knife and I will cut you. Hold on. Let's let Pat get his two cents in and then you can get your $45 worth. I just yeah. had and then he I actually have a knife. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love risk. Risk is a game that I've been playing since I was a little kid. I played it in high school, too, uh, with all my friends. We would stay after school and play. I mean, this was the game that everybody played basically before we learned about Axis and Allies and Diplomacy and stuff. Then we moved on to them. But so every now and then, I just love to pull out a risk game and play. I used to I, I've play it. All the time. Wait, you hear? Wait, I'm getting some feedback. Oops. No, 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 no. Never mind. It's just Josh vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's a little bit frustrating of a game because there's a little bit too much luck involved in it, and the odds always favor the attacker, and yada yada, and everybody. You know, if you know anything about game theory, you know the flaws of risk. But just for the, just for the basic fun and the basic concept and the world dominant, you know, if you don't want to get real too bogged down in, in a lot of minutia, a lot of de- you know details and a lot of rules like an Axis and Allies type game, this is a fun world domination type game, in my opinion. And I've loved playing it all my life. That, that's pretty much it. I mean, there are there, there are different variations you can play if anybody you know if anybody doesn't know there. You know, I mean, for those of you that have played Risk, you can do all kinds of different things. Like you can change the amount of armies <clears> per <throat> you know book you turn in. You can make it a lot harder by making it only increases by one army every single time instead of you know increasing exponentially as it does. Yeah, Pat, I am currently in now a two-year-long game of Risk Legacy with some other buddies. Nice. <laughs> Which is a, honestly a great game because there's new rules in this one where um, you have factions instead of just blue army, red army, green army. And my faction, each faction has a special ability. And my faction special ability is to be able to move my troops from any one area that I have uh, claimed, whether or not they're connected. Wow. So I can be, yeah, I can, so I, and I hide out in Australia. My, my strategy is hide out in Australia all game and then wait for everybody else to kill each other. <laughs> and, and then take over China. Well, that's a, that's a that's a, actually a standard strategy. It's called turtling. Where you just kind of hang back and let everybody else <laughs> each other up and build your armies up. <laughs> I do that on long trips. <laughs> I like Risk personally. Have you ever played Risk? I have played Risk when I was younger. Yeah, I played online too game. sometimes. I like Risk. There's a lot of a lot of Risk clones online and on Android and that sort of thing too. So yep. like. It seems to have a very popular following. It seems that everybody loves Risk. I don't Risk. know anybody that doesn't like Risk. Personally. Candy Crush Saga is loosely based on Risk. That's not true. <laughs> that never happened. Are you oh guys ready to un- unleash the Kraken? Hold on. Yeah, let's hear it, Josh. I oh have boy. an irrational hate to Risk. Fuck Risk. Oh, and I'll tell you why. There is one thing that I can never get past. Uh, when you attack <laughs> one guy, one lone piece, doesn't matter whether it's 5 to 1 odds, 8 to 1 odds, 10 to 1 odds. If your opponent with his one dude rolls a 6, he loses nothing and you lose a guy. So long as he continues to roll 6s, it doesn't matter. You can just continue to lose pieces. And I'm all about the narrative of a board game saying that there should be a chance for a lone soldier up against impossible odds to face off the hordes. That's awesome. That chance is not fucking one in six. No, but your is, they have the Ebola it. monkeys. But, but, I mean, your chance of doing that is one in six, maybe times eight, or however many times you have to get a six. And here's the thing is, let's say that uh, I can buy the argument, well, it's like, well, he did his best. He rolled a six as the best possible result. That one outnumbered soldier did his best. That's completely negated by the fact that if at 15 or 20 or 100 to 1 odds, the other side rolls a six as well, they also did their best. The numbers are meaningless in that situation. And I, I know it's a minor thing to get hung up on, but believe me, I have gone into those where it's like, all right, all I got to do to take the last territory in Europe is attack. I'm just going to attack from two territories. I've got like nine guys. He's got one, six, 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 six. Number of the beast. Shit, I just lost. And I, I guess that uh, more recent incarnations of Risk have softened up on that rule or given optional rules to get around it, but it bothered me so much that if I see Risk on the cover, usually I'm not willing to play. 
You should definitely try Risk Legacy then, because there are there are combat modulators. There are things that change it. There are different pluses and minuses depending on where you are, how many troops you have, what special abilities your your troops have, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I could get that. There's probably some pretty easy ways to fix that. Um, probably you could get to a spot where a certain number of sixes rolled by the attacker cancel out the six that is rolled by the uh, defender, or maybe make it so the best that a defender could do is take out a guy while he dies. So that's that's been the rant I've been <clears throat> holding back because I'm like, I'm gonna interrupt Patrick, but I hate this fuck game. All, all I have to say to you is. You definition of saying things. Is really uh, I'm just going to pretend he was drinking a refreshing drink. Okay. Yes, through a straw. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Josh, let's say you don't want to play Risk. I don't. You pull off what? What? What game do you pull off the shelf? You know, probably back in the day, I didn't much care for this game, and most people don't like this game. It's Monopoly. It's actually got some of the things that uh, modern board gamers scoff at. It's got a roll and move mechanic. It's got a lot of luck involved, and only a few really relevant choices. One thing that I found uh, really interesting is most of the people who complain about Monopoly, they complain that, what, it's too long, right? Yep. Most of the people who insist that Monopoly's too long insist on playing by the wrong rules. What do you mean? I mean, there is no money on Free Park, ever. You inject free money into the game. All it does is artificially extend the length of the game. Because the way that a player gets knocked out is to run out of money. If you give them a spot that they can just land on and get more of that money, it makes the game longer. The other rule that people always house rules, like, well, it makes it more fun. No, it just makes it longer. Is that whenever somebody decides not to buy a property... It goes to auction immediately. So let's say you land on Marvin Gardens, and you're like, I don't think anyone's going to want to pay the whatever it is, $200, $300 for it. So I'm going to decline to bid. You don't just move on to the next player's turn. The bidding starts at whatever anybody's willing to pay, and you go around. Even the original person who landed on it, if their highest bid is $50 and no one wants to pay more than that for it, they get that property. That's all Mm. true, yeah. Yeah, a property should be purchased every single time it's landed. And when you get into, like, there was a book written by uh, some Ivy League grads talked about advanced monopoly strategy, where they get into binding deals and like, I'm going to land on this property and uh, I will trade it to anyone that is willing to make me this deal. If they land on Marvin Gardens, Pennsylvania Avenue or Boardwalk, they must buy it at list price and hand it to me. And some people will take that deal because they're like, well, if I don't ever land on those spaces, I don't, I just got a property for free. So there are ways hmm. to make it less luck-based and more skill-based. Still not as awesome as uh, modern board games, but it really uh, gets a lot of crap it doesn't deserve. I actually, I love Monopoly. I love playing the game. I'm a fan. It's not I as fun as play, I like I play with the free parking rule, though. It's not as fun as Truth or Dare. Now, that's a hell of a board game, but... <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm the dog. I forgot. I'm not going to argue. I've always been a fan of Monopoly. I don't care how long it took. I always had a good time playing it. I always, I thought it was, it, it's kind of like a basketball game is a bad analogy, but you know, nothing happens for the first three hours and the last 20 minutes get kind of exciting. Okay. I can see that. And, and for me, I'm, I like a buildup. I like some foreplay. I like things to take their time to get to a, a boiling point. And Monopoly to me always had that effect where it's really in the first part of it, it's anybody's game. I mean, you can be strategy, play strategy. Strategies or be smart about it or, you know, follow a certain path. But in the end, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. So that's my take on it. One of the best things about Monopoly is it can end anytime you want because all you're going to do is just flip board. Yep. You're cheap. <laughs> Incidentally, true. that also works with Jenga. <laughs> you don't win, though. Much. I don't I don't like Monopoly. Wow. 
What? Why? You got to tell us why. I, I, I don't like it because it's with my family playing Monopoly, it always ends up in a fight. <laughs> we always. Well, that, that doesn't matter always, what you're playing, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Tic Tac Toe. Yeah, this is this is one of those. You know, it, it always wound up with a fight, and you know, it, like yeah, we don't. You know, we did board games when I was growing up. This one especially just horked off everybody, so that one just got put away. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, at some point, we should sit down with like a four-player game, play it by the rules as written, and have everybody focus on making sure that you're not fucking off when it's your turn, you're picking up your die and you're moving, and we'll play a game of Monopoly that's like 30 minutes. Cool. Where's the foreplay? <laughs> what? I want a little, I want a little love. Monopoly's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. <laughs> Suck it. Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, I, I we're talking about your, your, your game, Joel. Trivial Pursuit. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay, sorry. I have to play my turn. Um, yes, my board game. I... <laughs> yes, Rover. <laughs> since <laughs> I was just a little boy... <laughs> Um, when, when I first heard about this game, I, I, you know, I was a little younger, so it wasn't a big deal, but as I got older and I became more the king of useless crap and knowledge, Trivial Pursuit was my game of choice. And in, in growing up, when we used to go to visit my grandma and aunt and uncle in Nebraska, they lived on, uh, my aunt and uncle had a farm. There wasn't a lot to do at night on the farm. So we would get out board games, real board games, like games that had boards. And uh, (laughs) Trivial Pursuit was like the big thing at the time. And so we got out Trivial Pursuit. And I quickly learned that my useless knowledge had some sort of bearing. It had a useful purpose because I could play and people would want me on their team because I would get the pie finished. Not because I was fat and was eating all the pie, but like, you know, like in the game, my little little pie things. Yeah, my my grandma used to make pie. It was really good. Um, That's probably why I was fat. But anyway, uh, my useless trivia came in very handy. And just for a little background, I did not realize this until I was studying up on this tonight, that uh, Trivial Pursuit was created in 1979 in Canada. Who knew they had trivia in Canada, let alone boards? For games. But, um, apparently they, uh, it became, you know, popular here when it was released in 1982, peaked in 84. Um, and apparently wasn't there like a, there's a, there's a whole bunch of dis- different editions now out there. Oh yeah. Like for every different type of specialty thing. Sure. But Star Wars, whatever. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. There's Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Every Star Wars. Some sort of sports thing. Movies. There's an 80s one. There's this is the 90s one. There's a lot of a lot of niche versions of the game. There's the Justin Bieber one. It's it's a lot shorter game, but uh, apparently there was a there and was you want a to US... punch it in the face all the time. Yeah, there was a US and a UK game show like on TV. It was hosted by Christopher Knight. Did you know this? Oh, Brady Bunch. Yeah, 2004. Huh, not aware of that. Exactly. This is a game everybody loves because it's useless trivia, and you get to look like you're smart for a minute, even if it's just you know dumb questions. I, I don't know anybody that picked all the. You usually had your like your favorite category, like mine was entertainment, the pink one. But I love this. Game. I I enjoyed this game a lot. We like this one. And it had a board. This, I think Trivial all Pursuit right. in all its incarnations is pretty much my favorite. One of one of my favorite board games of all time. I love that game. Again, being another fountain well, of useless information, it's it's a lot of fun to actually have something that that's useless for, or that's not useless. Yeah, I mean, it is it is fun because you do have, like you said, you do have that awesome, you know, of, hey, I know this type thing. Yeah, I'm, look, I, I, I'm looking up. I know who the prime minister to India was in the 60s. Awesome. <laughs> and when you're like 12 and you're surrounded by adults, 
it's kind of nice to be like, you know, they look to you like, oh, what's the answer to that question? And you're like, oh, it's Bill Cosby or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I want to, I want a game once with the Enola Gay question. What was the uh, plane that flew over the uh, atomic bombs? Mm. Yay. Sorry. Shut up, Patrick. <laughs> I, you never let me down. I'll actually <laughs> say one thing about uh, Trivial Pursuit. I actually think the board and the moving of the pieces is the least interesting thing about it. And it's usually the part where the game breaks down. It's like people are starting to get sick of it because it's obvious someone's going to win, but they can't land on the right space. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is one of the most frustrating things about you it when you just need the green the wedge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movement, the movement rules definitely need some tweaking. I think it would be a lot. I mean, it'd be a little bit less dramatic for the games that are close, but it'd be a lot simpler game if you just said the first one to six pieces win, period. Sure. Yeah. Or if there was some sort of mechanic where you could get an additional piece that allowed you to move X number of spaces or something that is a little more rewarding trivia knowledge and a little less like, oh, I just was the first person to land here and everyone else is sick of playing, so I win. Well, I found a way to deal with that that, that worked for me every time when I, when I would get people to agree with it. It seemed to work pretty well. It's like, you don't have to leave the center, spo- center square once you land in there after you have all six of your pieces. You don't have to leave and then come back, and that solves it. If you, you manage to land in it once, you're just in there, and then every round you just get a question picked by the other team. Oh, that helps. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely were a lot of home rules for these, for these games. That was one of them also. You can, if once you landed on the color that you needed on the out, outside spokes, on the outside the wheel of it, you could, you could hang out there until you got the question right. Oh, but wow. Playing with, you know, play, well, you're playing with the family. Yeah, because so. that, that, that would speed it up greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Because eventually it's not, it's you not just want to go to bed. make for a lot faster game. Yeah. No, that's what you wanted. Yeah. yeah. You need the game to be over so Mike's mom isn't killing Matthew <laughs> and yes. hanging his carcass and, from the tree out there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. All right. You want to know what mine was? Yeah. Hero Quest, bitches. <laughs> What's that? Now, initially, you didn't, you don't know what Hero Quest I'm is? I'm looking it up now. Okay. It, um, initially I thought it wasn't, it wouldn't fit, but it <laughs> came out in 19, yeah. yay. Uh, it came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was definitely within our range of, um, of retro stuff. So. Oh, I Hero remember Quest this game. Oh. Yes, see, everybody remembers this game. I still have my copy. It's awesome. Ah. I played it with the girls. It's great. Um, the, the game itself is a, bo- is a board, Joel, yes. but it's a dungeon and basically, but almost like graph paper that looks kind of like dungeon tiles and you build the board up on it by putting up little doors and you put up little chests and creatures and that sort of thing and you are the elf, dwarf, wizard and barbarian. And the four of you are trying to traverse through this dungeon, get to the end, kill the demon or get the treasure or whatever and came with a book of different adventures. Nowadays, you can find a game called Descent, which is the grown-up version of this, is a good way to put it. Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate, because they both have another defining feature, which is that one person kind of has to play the board. Yes. I started playing D&D when I was really young. Trying to get your family to play D&D with you was kind of tough. <laughs> this is the closest I could get to playing a game of D&D with my family and not having to, you know, break out the rule books. The rules are fast, the rules are pretty easy to learn. Dice rolls uh, for combat and movement and that sort of thing. And there were a lot of house rules that you could put in there also. There were expansions. There were Killer's Keep, one, two, three, four, five. There were like six, seven expansions. Some, And it was released in Great Britain. It was also listed as Warhammer Quest. Well, Warhammer Quest kind was of. significantly different because Warhammer Quest did not require someone to play a GM sort of role where they uh, uh, ran oh. the board. Well, See, I thought it was the same theme of game. Then. It's very, very similar, but it was structured so that uh, there was a set of cards that determined what the next room in the dungeon would be and a set of cards that would determine what the treasure in that room might be and what the monster might be. Oh, okay. Yeah, we played that a little okay. in college. We'll probably talk about that even more after the break. In the basic set, you are the 
the evil wizard running the board. So you are, what was his name, Morkar? See, there's, they say here, it's either Zargon or Morkar, but you are the evil wizard and everybody's, you control all the monsters, you control how they act, where they attack, who they attack, and that sort of thing. And it was a lot of fun. And that's all I have to say. Well, I'm trying to remember when I played it, because I'm looking at it and I remember playing it, and it seems to me it must have been in high, or in, uh, when I was still in, uh, high school, because I don't think, did we play it in college? No, we played Warhammer Quest in college. Well, yeah, that was later, though. Blood Bowl, wasn't it? Uh, we played both. I don't remember Warhammer Quest, but I played Blood Bowl. Bowl, but this I remember, and I, I must have played it in high school then, because I remember it was fun because you, you had a, you know, it, it's like D&D in the sense that you're you know doing your dungeon crawl or whatever you want to call it, but uh, it was three-dimensional and you actually had things that you could touch and play with and visualize, you know, without having to use your brain so much. I know that sounds mm. bad, but I always had fun with it. I, I liked the game very much. I forgot about it. I didn't realize this was a thing, so thank you, Mike. Sure. <laughs> in that case, you're going to really like my second one. Josh, I'm sure Josh remembers this one, too, oh. but Dungeon. Are we on to your Did second you play Dungeon? Already? Yeah, I'm the, we're doubling back. Remember? Oh, that's right. Hey, yeah, you got your twofer on the, uh, the music show, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, but get ready because you're coming right back to you. Dungeon originally came out in 1975. Holy crap. But ha- yeah, but there have been three more printings of it in 89, 92, and 2012. Uh, these have come out also. I had the original 75 version, though it was a reprint. We used to play back in when I was even smaller. This is you know way before uh, Hero Quest came out, but we would play this. Parents got it for me for Christmas because nothing says Christmas like a dungeon game. <laughs> right. The gameplay is similar to Hero Quest, except like there is not a, a DM. You have a board set out. It's all preset. You have a room rooms that you go to, and each of the rooms has a treasure, and then there's a monster card on top of the treasure. So you get to the room, you flip over the card, and that take I take it back. It's nothing like dun- nothing like Hero Quest. <laughs> <laughs> they both take place in a dungeon. That's about as similar as it gets. But we would play this one also. Again, I just like dungeon crawler style games. Really dug it when I was a kid. I dig it now. I mean, I still play Descent, and I still play. I still have uh, the '89 version of this game also so that's it really geeky Awesome. That was short. I don't remember that game, though. I don't remember playing. You don't remember Dungeon? No, no I don't either. Oh, I, I played it quite a no. bit. It's also one of, it fits into D&D history, where the original designers of Dungeons & Dragons, after Gary Gygax tried uh, a few different things with his war games, where people were allowed to play individual characters, and Lord of the Rings was popular, uh, one, basically you had one group of gamers that had two ideas. One wanted to do a more traditional board game type thing, which eventually became Dungeon. And other people wanted to take the idea of playing something that's a little war gamey, but everyone only controls one piece just a little bit further, and that went on to become Dungeons & Dragons. So, Yep, I sent, I sent a link of the images for it, Pat. I'm sure you're going to recognize it. Yeah, maybe so. so. Interesting. But yes, hey, Joel. Yeah, what's up? We're back to you. Nice. I would like to talk about another game that uh, played on my useless skills. I wouldn't say useless. I mean, they were somewhat useful, but uh, that would be the fantastical game called Pictionary. Yay! Pictionary uh, is a guessing game, is what they're calling it here, although it had a board, um, that was first published in 1985, and that was right around the same time as Trivia Pursuit was kind of petering out. Pictionary was kind of picking up the pace, which incidentally, Pictionary lent itself to knockoff TV shows like Win, Lose, or Draw, but uh, basically the premise was you got to, it's like charades, but where you're drawing pictures instead of acting things out. And for me, being a guy that likes to draw, like Mike, um, it was mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. fun trying to get creative to come up with a way to. I sucked at it because I was always a little too obscure, or my drawings didn't quite carry over what I was trying 
to convey, but it was always a damn fun time. And you got to see people kind of who maybe didn't draw normally kind of come out and do it. And that added to the fun, in my opinion. So it was just one of those stupid games you could play with a group of people and have, you know, kids to adults and they could all play together and have a good time. So it was one of those games where, you know, like Monopoly, you had to be kind of a certain age and up to really get it. Um, or Risk, you had to have like a certain temperament to be able to get it. But, you know, when pick Pictionary, sorry, Pictionary, <laughs> anybody could play. Um, you know, like Simon. Can I, can I just tell you guys one of my favorite stories from all of Pictionary that ever happened in my life? Yes, please. Um, I'll try to make it brief because it's actually a pretty long story. But there was this, uh, there's a game called Cranium, which has a, a, a section of it that's very much like Pictionary, um, where you had to draw out everything. So that's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it's actually a Cranium story, but whatever. It's a picture, it was, uh, and it was what's called an all play, which means all the teams get to draw the same thing at the same time, and the first team to shout out the answer is the winner of that category, right? Well, we're all, there, there's four teams going, and I'm, I just, every now and then I kept, happen to keep looking over, I'm one of the drawing, and the word is vitamin, and I'm drawing like little tiny things, I'm trying to draw a pharmacy, I'm trying to draw a pharmacist, I'm trying to draw little tiny pills, everything, right? I can't, I, I'm just trying to get anything, and nobody, everybody's having problems, and, and we, we go like a whole minute, and nobody's gotten the answer yet, and I happen to look over to the girl on my left, who's one of my best friends, um, she's drawing, and I just happen to see on her paper, that the, it's just the most racist stuff I've ever seen in my life, it's like, like, the American flag is burning, and there's these people with like you know she's drawing like people with slanted eyes you know shooting other people and like you know she's making it clear that you know they're, they're Asian people killing white people and, oh, and, I'm just like, and I'm just like what is going on over there and everybody else and finally somebody on her team shout Vietnam and she goes yes and throws her pen down she's like, oh, <laughs> and I look at her like no Randy look, read the word again and she looks at it and she goes oh my god <laughs> I, I marginally enjoyed this game. <laughs> I, I'm, for the, for the same reason that you enjoyed playing it, Joel, for some reason, sometimes I really hated playing Why? it. Why? Oh, because it, the drawing thing? Because, yeah, the drawing the, thing. The, the, the Picasso, the, the... Oh, exactly. Well, not Picasso, because who the hell knows what's going on with those. Well, that's true. Thanks. Those I was Salvador Dali. <laughs> no, but yeah, you get the, you have your partner who's like, you can draw! Why can't you tell me what it is? We can't just... Or I would run the timer out because I would get so involved in whatever I was drawing. <laughs> That I wasn't finished with the goddamn picture before the moment. Right. Yeah, I had that happen. I'm trying to get the shading just right. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, well, don't draw so detailed. I'm like, when I do draw detailed, we win. When I don't draw detailed, you keep guessing rocket. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a rocket? No, it's not. I, I am, no. I am like a Pictionary savant for some reason. I'm an, I'm an average <laughs> artist, but I. That is a high claim. <laughs> Sorry, that was I'm funny. an average artist, but I can draw whatever the core need is to, to get across whatever the idea is on the card. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I've drawn things before, and they've been like almost nothing, and it's just the person, the person gets it immediately, and I'm like, of I don't know man. how we connected on that, but I'm like some kind of genius at that game. I don't know why. Unless it's a vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> you try to draw a vitamin, sir. <laughs> I'd probably just draw Fred Flintstone and color him purple. <laughs> oh, fair. see? See how yeah, you have to get I, clever. I outside the box, yes. Yeah. Good luck drawing Fred Flintstone. But you have to be clever. You know, I really yeah. like this game, and I, I like some of the spiritual successors. There's uh, another game, and I can't rec- remember what it's called at the moment. I know there was a knockoff of it called Cluzzle, where instead of actually drawing, you've got little chunks of clay. And you want to, basically, if you are too specific with a thing you build and everybody gets it, you don't get a whole lot of points. 
and if nobody gets it, you don't get very many points. But if some people, but not everybody, understands what it was you made out of the little blob of clay, you get maximum points. Nice. Yeah, they're and they're still running with this game too. Just I was over at the store the other day, and they have this. It's like this a doll, yeah, with nothing on it. Imagine like a completely blank, like little cartoon looking dude, and the object is you're supposed to draw him as whatever the topic is. Hmm. Which I'm not so sure how well it works because they were all in the clearance section. Yeah, that doesn't least, really a lot of sense. We used to do that with Pat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. It happened. What? Huh? <laughs> Sorry. So, Josh, yeah. you're confusing us with this one. Yeah. Uh, are them confusing? This is oh, a great mouse game. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. It, Mousetrap does not sound like my sort of game. And to modern, my modern tastes, it probably isn't. It's... High variance, high luck, low skill, not a whole lot of relevant choices. But when I was a kid, <laughs> good God, did I own the hell out of different copies of Mousetrap. <laughs> Mousetrap uh, was first produced back in 1963, originally titled The Mousetrap Game. And originally, it was a game with even fewer decisions, sort of like other young child games like Candyland or Shoots and Ladders, where basically it's just kind of get to the end, and if you get there first, you win. Uh, but in the 70s, uh, Mousetrap and while the trap remained mostly the same, the rules around the board were redesigned by a designer named Sid Saxon. Sid Saxon is a Chicago board game designer who's most well known for producing the game Acquire. Uh, he's done some other smaller games that you kind of got to be a board game geek to know about, but he got into the key idea where there are certain things you could do to force other people to move to get themselves under the trap, which actually made the game more of a game and less of a, like, big toy that sort of resembles a game. Uh, Mousetrap also has the distinction of the only birthday present that I owned for 15 minutes before breaking it. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the uh, I want to say my second copy of Mousetrap, I took it out of the box and immediately broke a key piece. Like, as soon as I opened which, it and got it home. Ooh, ooh, let's, let me guess which one. Um, it was the big ratchety thing that the trap fell down on. No, it was the big blue thing with the hands that, uh, oh. connects the, uh, bathtub and the, the marble. Oh, yeah. The, the actual, like, hands or whatever. Mike just turned into Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my mousetrap stories. I was I was so excited to get it and I was so disheartened when I actually broke it immediately before even playing it once. Did you did it actually work when you got it uh, all put together? I mean, was there a point? Because I, mean, I remember playing this, it was always a point, each point where it's like you got to push the marble or you got to knock it into place or the rubber band breaks or something like that. Basically, yeah. I mean, sometimes you turn the crank and it doesn't work. Like the, uh, I think the first thing that happens is a boot uh, gets hit by the uh, arm that gets pulled back by the rubber band on the crank and it's supposed to kick the edge to start the first marble going. And sometimes that didn't work. And I think that's actually part of the game is that even if you're caught under the mousetrap and your opponent gets to turn the crank, there is a chance that the mousetrap will malfunction. Hmm. But yeah, I certainly got have gotten the mousetrap to work and to trap somebody else's piece. Very cool. So I don't know if you guys have ever played this or what you thought of I have a I have a copy of from the 1950s that I found at a, a resale shop. You mean 1960s? 60s, I mean, yeah. No, he got one from the no. made. He did. Yes. It was... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beta. Um, no, I found it at a resale shop for like two bucks. It was like, it has all the pieces in it too, so oh. that's all, even better. Yeah. Except for the marbles all like scummy because it's 40 years old. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the original one also had two different sizes of marble, which eventually was standardized just being yeah. normal normal marbles. So, 
But yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fun one. So Patrick, yes, the Mad Magazine game. Have you guys ever heard of this game? Any of you? I have seen this game, but only on the um in the uh, auction house at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard <laughs> of it. Well, it is just I mean as goofy as you would expect it to be. And I found this game when I was a kid. I used to love Mad Magazine, and I found this game and made my parents buy it for me. And then uh, to their chagrin, I made everybody play this game with me for many many years, almost all the time. I was just in love with this game. I opened it up. I, I went to the closet of the game and pulled this game out and opened it up and looked through it again for the first time in like I don't know like six weeks <laughs> no, first time in forever and it's just it just brought back like I opened it up and I just immediately remembered playing this game and I could almost like tell you what every picture and, and well and how does it play was. all right so ba- basically the objective of this game first of all it, it's it's like a it, it's it's built and it, it, the gameplay is very similar to Monopoly um, but the object of this game is to be the first one to lose all your money <laughs> okay. and there's there's just different things that happen huh. that cause you like um one of the squares on the board is um, if no one is standing, if you land on this square, you just says no one is standing, you lose a thousand dollars. If someone is standing, you win two thousand. There's another square that says, you know, you, you must gamble everything you have, roll the dice. If it's odd, you win twice as much as what you have. If it's even, you lose everything but collect fifteen hundred dollars as a winning prize. <laughs> There's just all this kinds sounds... of random weirdness. There's, there's like different random cards you draw that you know, uh, switch player, switch seats with the player to your right, but you know leave the money stacks, things like that. There's all kinds of crazy things. I would play this. This actually sounds like it would entertain. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it, really it sounds a like a lot of fun. fun. Yeah. I, when I was sitting here looking at it, I'm like, you know what? I want to keep this out and play this when my little five year old niece gets back and introduce her to this. Because you know, there's an old maid space. Stay right here until someone rolls a one or a seven. Oh wow! And considering you're rolling two dice, you can't really roll a one. <laughs> Josh is okay with that as long as it's not a six. <laughs> and then there's a square. Uh, stay here until another player passes you and then move with him or her until the end of their turn. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's all kinds of fun stuff. And there's like cards you have to draw on different spots. There's different bots that, you know, make you take money, make you lose money, different things like that. And and one of the one of the funniest things about it was, you know, they, they specifically say, hey, if there's anything you don't like about this or anything you're confused about, just, you know, take a majority vote and whatever your majority says to do that. We don't care. <laughs> Sounds like mad. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying. I wonder if there would be like a modern version of uh, of this out there somewhere, like a reprint or something. I don't know. I mean, there are games that sound like they're similar. Um, there's one, although it's not the lose all your money variant. There's a game by cheap ass games called Get Out, where it was a Monopoly style game where you start with no job, no girlfriend, and in your parents' basement. And as you're working your way around the board, you are like getting a job, getting an apartment, and getting a life. I live that. Why do I want to play the game? <laughs> uh, mainly because like there were all sorts of like college slash slacker themed uh, spaces. Uh, okay. There are ways to like get your friends fired from their job because you like show up at your friend's job and then act like an asshole and get them fired. So they'd have <laughs> to move back to the I don't have a job rung of the of the game. <laughs> never heard of it. You can yeah. get copies of the game. It looks like I'm just on Amazon here, but there's copies of the game available there, but there's not like a newer one. It's still the original. Wait, here's, here's an example of one of the stupid cards from this game. I didn't even flip through these earlier. If you could jump up and stay airborne for 37 seconds, you lose $5,000. If not, just jump and lose $5,000. So it's just a, a goofy little fun game that's not too, you know, there's nothing racy about it. You can play it with kids. It's just goofy and fun. I used to play cool. it all the time when I was a kid. You know, while we've been talking this whole time, I actually cracked open a sealed and unpunched copy of Memory. Like the one where you have to, like, match up turtles and the cherries yeah. and that sort of thing? Suitable for 3+. plus. <laughs> I, this game. I have no memory of that. See, this Mad Magazine game sounds like something we could turn into a drinking game. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. Here you go. Here's a card. If you like this game, cross your legs, sit on your hands, cackle like a chicken, lose one egg, and $500. <laughs> 
Well, all right then. If you are good looking, stand up and imitate your favorite animal and lose two thousand dollars. What if you're not? What if you your favorite animal is a bug? Or see, this or is why we don't play games with you. If you are do. I watched that episode of the Cosby Show where Stevie Wonder was on, and the giraffe goes. <laughs> no giraffe don't make noise. They have on the Cosby Show. The Cosby what if your favorite animal is the fox? All right, so that was our. We had our top two. Do any ones that didn't make the grade? I mean, what? Do you have any like uh, dark horse? You know, I almost brought up a game because I dislike it now almost as much as Risk. Um, the game is the game of life. Uh, oh, I hate that game. I-, I used to love it when I was a kid, and uh, when I played it as an adult, I realized that there's only one significant decision in the entire game. When you get the split to go directly to work or to stay in school and go to college, otherwise the game is entirely random. You're you're spinning the wheel, you randomly get a spouse or don't, you randomly get money, you randomly have kids in your stupid little car, um, but there's no interesting decision. It's all uh, just like whatever space you land on, this happens and eventually somebody wins. Well, I mean, that's a game where you really don't even completely need the board. You could just spread all the cards out and randomly pick six of them each and alright, who's got the highest total? That's the winner. <laughs> yep. Huh. Well, And that's a good argument for some of these mm. games that we uh, liked as kids that if you boil them down to their essentials, you could virtually say, okay, we're going to roll dice, and whoever rolls the highest wins. Right. That's a fun game. Yeah. I like that game. It's called Dice. Or Craps. <laughs> uh, wh- what about Sorry? Did anybody else start playing that and then by it would eventually just like de-evolve into just like pushing the little bu- bubbler top thingy dice yeah, tumbler? Just, just, make, just making the noise all the time. R- right. <laughs> Wait, the little pop-o-matic? Yeah. That, was, yeah. that wasn't Sorry. What was that? Sorry was more you could slide and knock your friend's back. Okay. Yeah, but it had a popper. That was no, it didn't. What the popper? Okay, several Wait, different games had those. Matic. Here we go. Popomatic games. games. Trouble. Oh, trouble. Yeah. Trouble had one. Sorry, had one too. Trouble. Didn't it? Uh, no, I'm sorry. sorry did not I have a. Did. Did. No, no, it must be not. thinking of trouble then. I guess. What about Pop-o-matic. we got We can't do. We can't do a board game thing without talking about shoots and ladders or snakes and ladders in Australia. Did anybody play shoots and ladders? Yes. Yeah, I did. I, a little I actually did this last New Year's. Not, that's not a joke, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a good joke, anyway. <laughs> I really did because uh, um, I was hanging out with a bunch of people and there were some little kids there and they wanted me to go over and play a board game with them at one point. They were pulling everybody over at one point or another and I got sucked in at one point and we played Shoots and Ladders. That was a, that's a fun game. Hmm. Like when you're a little kid, it's fun. Every time I oh, you know, yeah. every time I went down a ladder, I made myself take a shot. <laughs> what are you doing? You know what's another, another one I haven't played in a long time that I wish I, I need to pick up is uh, Part Cheesy. You know what? I've never played that. Really? Yeah, yeah I played it. That guy. It's okay. It's, it's, very a, de- it's a decent game. How about Stratego? Yeah. Do you guys love, like that game? I like Stratego. Oh, I like Stratego I have much. several different versions of Stratego, into, including a four-player version. All right, well, have you guys since you like Stratego, have you ever heard of a game called Generals? Yeah. Generals mm-hmm. is basically like electronic Stratego. I love that game. I, my dad and I used to play Generals all the time when I was young. Allies. We'll get to it. Yes. We'll get oh, there. Later? Yeah. yeah, I consider that's that later. later. I didn't oh. know that we're doing Battleship later, right? We're too? doing the, the Dark Horses. Is Battleship later? No, we can talk no, about Battleship. Because you guys are going to leave uh, Stratego just yet, because I've actually oh, okay. got two copies of Stratego Legends here in the room. Each copy uh, supports two players, but it's a fantasy-themed Stratego with uh, special abilities, basically, on the uh, the different pieces. Like, the seven in the dragon army might do one thing, where the seven in the undead army does a different thing. I've played that one. That one is a lot of fun. Really? So, it sounds cool. Yeah. If we ever can manage to be in the same state together, we shall <laughs> play those games. Oh, yeah, that's true, because I've got enough to do four-player uh, Stratego Legends. Cool. Ooh. So, ah. 
Battleship. Battleship, which is not a board game. It's not, but I, I, I love it. And if you guys are going to include it, then we might as well talk about it. Maya, Juliana, you, you recently decided at Christmas time that she, that was her favorite game and we had to have a copy of it. So we got our one for Christmas and we played it for Christmas day and maybe a little bit afterwards, but she like had her own set of rules that they used to play with her friends. So I'm like, this is like cheating. She's like, no, it's not. That's the rules. I'm like, well, I can't argue with you. You're 10, but still. Like, that's called house rules, daddy. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> all right. I, I didn't. Battleship. Battleship was awesome. You know what else is awesome? Electronic Battleship. And then you guys battle. played. You never played Electronic oh. Battleship, or you, you put in the you slide. Well, yeah, the old I, one was I'm you'd slide the number. I never, I, I never bought it. I don't know why. I never played it. No. Yeah. Here, I'll go on the chat. I'm going to send something up to an eBay eBay link. There is a Star Wars Electronic Battleship. I uh, started playing Battleship probably a little too young. Uh, I started playing Battleship at an age where I was bright enough to play the game. But not quite mature enough to not eat the pegs. <laughs> <laughs> so right before you got to college, yes, why, why is that so? Why why do I believe that so much? It's it was just a thing. It was like I, I'd be eating the red pegs, but I I'd be able to play the game. Rules is written, but I, I just wasn't. I was intellectually well beyond where I needed to be, but uh, maturity wise, probably not where I needed. <laughs> it's like it's like that that joke you always tell about reading. How, yeah. how early. You start yeah. reading. Well, go ahead and tell it, sir. Well, it's not a joke. It, it, <laughs> it, it, uh, I, I, I've, I can read. I, I can never remember a time where I couldn't read. I, I've at least been reading as long as I could talk. Maybe longer. I just couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> I always love that, and it's probably true. And Mike just snorted again. You okay, there, buddy? I love that. <laughs> I remember the first time you said that too. <laughs> the first time we heard you said it, and I mean, like you, you stopped the entire conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, shall we take a break, guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are other board games from back in the day. I'm just Ouija. No. Oh, oh, here's a question: Do you guys know what the oldest board game is? Um, no. Ket. Uh, Martyr of the Christians. The oldest wait, wait. board game. Wait, give me, uh, Settlers of Catan. <laughs> Oregon Trail. Oh, wait, that's not a board game. I already threw mine in. I died of dysentery anyway. Um, there are a lot of, uh, this is actually a, uh, kind of a controversial sub, uh, it is believed that it is either Senate from Egypt or Go from China, uh, are some of the earliest, but, uh, among the other super, super early board games are Pachisi. There's well, one other really popular one that I'm just blanking on that's got all of the triangles and the black and the white pieces Chinese of dice. Stickers? Backgammon. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah backgammon goes as far back as uh, 3000 BC. You, you threw me on the triangles because I was thinking pieces for triangles. I'm like, what? No, no. The, yeah, backgammon is at least as old as 3000 BC, but it's believed that Senate is probably as far back as 3500 BC. It's kind of wow. difficult to uh, date the first time Go was played because there's a lot of myth and legend uh, around how it actually started and who invented it, but uh, it's for sure at least as far back as the Zhao dynasty, so probably like 10,000, 1050 BC. Wow. So a little, little bit of board game general trivia that is definitely more then than now. Very nice. Very much then. Wow. Well, we are going to take a break after that educational moment. Now you know. Wow, that came out really snarky. What? <laughs> I wasn't trying to do it. Like that. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to take a break now, and we will be back soon and talk about the games that we play in the now. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, everybody. We're back from break, and we are talking about board games now. What we play now, what we play with our friends, what we play with family. What board games do we really enjoy? So who wants to go first on this one? Joel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just get this out of the way. Well, I've already told you that Toss Across is the game that I play the most (laughs) these days. With the kids? No, I've not played Toss Across in years. (laughs) Ever. Uh, no, but I, I really. Can we play toss across? Yes, but you have to stay over there. See, the problem is, is that board games, your definition is different than mine. So it's hard for me to say anything that would qualify because the closest thing to a board game I've played recently was Cards Against Humanity. And that's not really a board game. It's a card game. Hey, I'm going to count that because I definitely want to talk about Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. And it's something that you would find in the board game section of my store. It's something you'd find in the board game section of a hobby shop. So I, I think it qualifies. Okay, well then, let's talk about Cards Against Humanity, because I like Cards Against Humanity, because I played it, and it was a lot of fun, even though I wasn't sure what to expect, because I felt really, really dirty, and very, like, dirty, and slightly... And you were... What? And you were playing it correctly. I I I personally, I think Cards Against Humanity (laughs) might be my favorite party game of all time. I was a motherfucking sorcerer. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I have so much fun and so many, and my friends and every, everybody I've ever played with this. It's just, I mean, you can't help but laugh. I don't care who you are. I don't care how stodgy you are. I mean, I was playing this New Year's Eve, um, with a 20 year old and an 80 year old, both. And they were both laughing up a storm. We were all having fun. And I mean, every time I had to explain something to the 80 year old, everybody just started bawling. <laughs> Laughter, uh, not not you know, not not fear. <laughs> crying. crying, right? Yeah, it's because you were playing in like critical intensive care, and they were about to die. <laughs> you were Aww. wasting his last moments with Cards Against Humanity, so everyone <laughs> talking was about pixelated cocky. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I'm a motherfucking soldier, and that was all okay. It's all right, sir. The last moments of your life, I'll be, t- I'll be talking about the fat, sad dragon. <laughs> Anyway, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Again, it makes you feel dirty as hell, and it's not something you can play with kids, even remotely close. Well, ex- why don't we explain why? Because we haven't really talked about it. We just assume that the listeners are going to know what the hell this game is. If you play it apples to apples, imagine apples to apples with amazingly awful people. <laughs> it's perverted apples to apples is what, how I describe yeah. it. Yeah, perverted, Somebody, racist, uh, sexist, misogynist. Completely offensive and horrible and hysterical. However, yeah. if you don't haven't played apples, Apples to apples. Basically, the concept is is there is one set of cards that puts forth a category or, or a descriptor or whatever, and the rest of the cards are phrases or nouns or other things that could be used to play to say, okay, the person who's going to be judging for the round has played this category. I'm going to attempt to play a card from my hand that the judge will select as the best one matching the card that they have played. Mm-hmm. And you score if the judge picks the card that you have played on their uh, category. And you go around the table. The person to the left of the judge becomes the new judge and so on. Mm-hmm. And you try to play to the judge whatever sense of humor, whatever you know, whatever they feel, whatever you think they would they would win. Or if you happen to have make, a card that you, you know somebody would just really appreciate or really like or you know, mention right. your favorite, whatever, you know, then yeah. <sighs> yeah it it might me. match their political inclinations or it might make fun of a celebrity they particularly hate. Right. Or they're just like motherfucking sorcerers. Yes. Yeah. So I think we've all figured out what Joel's favorite card was. <laughs> I love that card. <laughs> German dungeon porn. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. But uh so yeah, so that we got that one. What other games are we playing now? Well, that was 
one of the games that we have played, at least three of the four of us have played recently. The other game that three of the four of us have played would be The Resistance. Ah, uh, yes. We played New Year's Eve, uh, Joel, yes. Mike, and myself. Drunk. Half drunk. Uh, the Resistance is similar to the party game Mafia or Are You a Werewolf, except unlike Mafia or Are You a Werewolf, you don't have to have someone sit out to run the game. It's a game where you have one group of resistance agents trying to take down a government, but they know that there are spies among their number. Uh, no one knows who the spies are. You know your own loyalty, whether you're part of the resistance or whether you're a government spy. And each person has to take it in turn to select a number of people to go on missions to take down the government. And the spies are attempting to get on that team and make sure a certain number of the missions fail. There are different cards that can be played to change the leader, to make votes fail, whether or not uh, as a group you are going to allow the team composition that the leader has proposed to go on the mission. And it ends up being a lot of fun. Uh, certain missions are easier. You only need to send three people in, say, a game of five. Some of them you might need to send four people, but it takes two uh, traders for the mission to fail. I think every time we played it, though, the uh, the traders always won. They did. Yeah, they did. And I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it at first, because, you know, me and games were not always super, super close friends. But I ended up having a lot of fun with it once I understood it, although I still don't think I totally ever got the game. <laughs> I tried. I, th- I think you got the mechanics, but maybe not the strategy. Yeah. And, yeah, that's uh, that probably was affected by the fact that we were all drinking pretty heavily by that point. Yeah, that too. Well, we still had a good time with it, and that right there. Everybody did. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's one of those. That, I mean, honestly, with that game, it that strategy would change with everybody you play with. Yeah, I remember Amy was so proud being the first, uh, one of the first traders, and totally snowed all of us because nobody would ever expect Amy. <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I think your Simon is running out of battery. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got the resistance games from college. Josh, you want to start this one off since you were the leader of the pack for all the games that we seemed to play back then? Well, we talked a little bit about the differences between Warhammer Quest and uh, Hero Quest. But basically, in addition to being branded in the Games Workshop Dark Fantasy universe, the biggest difference is that everything is random in Warhammer Quest, including uh, the treasures you get, the missions you go on, the layout of the dungeon, the monsters you face, and what happens on the way from the dungeon to the city, and even what happens once you're in the city. I remember that uh, there was a Chaos Warrior, a Witch Hunter. You basically had one character, but you always played with a group of four. And there were various things. I can't remember if it was Patrick's uh, witch, uh, Chaos Warrior that was getting hit by a beer cart every time we went to town. Uh, I know well, the group of us played this with Matt, uh, another roommate of uh, Joel's and a uh, person who lived with us at the apartment. Yeah, I we, think played that. That. we played this one down in the, in the basement, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, I remember we ended up playing Warhammer Quest uh, when we wanted to play Axis and Allies uh, because we found out that Axis and Allies was like $90 and we didn't own a copy yet. <laughs> right. But we had Warhammer Quest back. That was actually also the first time as a group we went into Hobbytown where I would uh, later work for nearly a decade. Yeah. That was, yeah, we went into Hobbytown to buy Axis and Allies and uh, got a little bit of sticker shock. <laughs> those Those games still give me sticker shock. Occasionally, I mean, it's like I when I bought um, when I first bought Descent, it was 
60, 70 bucks. Yeah, I think it's 70 or 80. Uh, the yeah. higher end board games, uh, 80 or 90 dollars are no longer out of the question. No, but you know what? When you get one of these games, you get a quality board. You're not getting like, like what Joel and his cardboard fetish. You don't get a thin piece of cardboard. Hey. You get some solid, solid pieces, well-made board games. I mean, when it got delivered, it was, I think on the sticker, it was like 13 and a half pounds. Yeah, there's a lot of plastic for, in descent. Yeah, so that's all, you know, you get nowadays, the board games are really well-made. So we made of real boards. We we played Axis and Allies in school. Eventually, yeah, we scored a copy of Axis and Allies. I don't know who eventually bit the bullet and spent the like eighty bucks to get a copy, but we ended up doing it one New Year's Eve at the apartment. No, we played before the apartment too, because remember remember playing in uh yeah, I uh, think, we played did, it didn't in I the, buy a copy of it? I, yeah. Yeah. Because I still have it. Because you were working at, you were working at, uh, Gamers Paradise. Yeah, that's right. That's that song by Coolio, yeah. right? Well, yes. Okay. That is. Um, my, mm, I remember playing Access and Allies a bunch of times. The one thing I do remember is playing as Great Britain when Uki was playing as Japan. And I put, my first turn, I put one factory up in Australia. And Uki turned around and had the entire Japanese fleet. Attack Australia <laughs> to destroy that one factory. In which case, Japan was now left without any defense and got wiped off the board. Do any of you remember playing this game? Oh, I vaguely remember that Uki didn't bomb Pearl Harbor and it didn't go well for him. No, because <laughs> Japan, you kind of have to make that historical move, otherwise you're just going to get counterattack from the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember us telling him as like, as like, why are why are you not doing the only thing that worked out for them? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember for weeks after that, Haruhito can't make war for oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are we going to Australia oh, for? That was Josh, yeah. wasn't it? Or was it? Yes, because that I was, was Josh. In Germany. Yeah, that did not go so well for us. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. Blood Bowl. I never participated in any Blood Bowl. Oh, I love what? Blood Bowl so much. I enjoyed Blood really? Bowl. I think Josh. I think you still have my my team. Well, I think I think we did Blood Bowl while you were in Georgia. Oh, that's right. Well, that could be. I actually think I still have Patrick's Blood Bowl set because I have three copies of Blood Bowl. Like I can see them from where I'm sitting. We well, have yeah, mine. Have I know pieces, for sure. But I have. I, I found the other day going through a bunch of stuff. I found um, most of the Blood Bowl team's paperwork, but you have the actual pieces. I think. Yeah, and I have uh, both of our uh, boards and the expansion, and I eventually uh, got the next edition, which is why I've got so many damn copies of Blood Bowl in this <laughs> room where I'm recording now. I loved that that game. I, I bought it on uh, on my PC and I have it, but I haven't tried playing it with anybody or even oh. by myself. Yeah, I've got it from Steam also. Wait, you're not the dark. Pat doesn't play with himself. I find that hard <laughs> to believe. <laughs> oh, my and, favorite part- and for anybody who may be missing it, I have your old uh, floppy disk edition of it too in my game cabinet. <laughs> I um. I remember, my favorite part of playing that because I played the undead team was just taking anybody's team and killing their player and turning them and putting them on mine. Especially, I think it was Uki again who had the uh, Star Trek yep. officers as all of his team, and you ended up killing Kirk and raising. I purposely, him as a I purposely went. I, I played his team just for the intent purpose of killing Kirk, and I did it, and then animated him and made him my linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which and I'm Uki sure was, he reacted yeah, to. Uki was so upset. Oh about my that. lord. I just reached over and I just gave me the piece, picked the piece up, and I'm like, "Thank you." He's like, "No," <laughs> and he wrote on his. He, he actually, it's it's funny because it's on his uh, team sheet. He wrote, he, he crossed out Kirk's name and just wrote, "He's dead, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> 
So, now I'm not sure how you guys are going to react to this one, but Robo Rally. Oh, yes, very much. You introduced me to that yeah. game. I, I like that game. Which I bought that game when I was down in Georgia. Frustrated, divide, but fun. Yeah, I've divided feelings about Robo Rally. I'm okay with playing Robo Rally so long as you're playing with the timer or playing with people who don't think so long as to make the game just an unending hell. Yeah. Yeah. So those of you that have never played Robo Rally, if you see a copy of it anywhere, grab it. It's a board game where you have your base. You are robots trying to make your way out of a factory, but the way the gameplay goes is you have to program your robots. To to make its moves. So you look at the grid, you look at the board, and you say, okay, I want to go this way. I get on the conveyor belt. It'll swing me two spots this way and turn me to the right. So you have to play your cards, which are move forward, turn left, turn right, back up, move forward two spaces, I think, Mm -hmm. and play those as programming your robot. The thing is, everybody goes at once. So you wind up bumping into each other, pushing each other off of ledges. They all have, everybody also has lasers that go off in the front of their robot also, so you can wind up doing damage to your, in some cases you can actually damage yourself, um, and blowing up other robots and that sort of thing. It comes with how many? Six, eight boards? Um, I've got a copy almost within arm's reach, but I, I want to uh, say, I want to say eight boards. It might be four boards that are double sided. It might be, but you can take the boards and you put them together so the boards always change, which makes it a lot of fun to play. One thing I can say is do not get the bright idea to play a game with all the boards at once. The game will never end. That game was fun for about half an hour, and then and then you're like, yeah, yeah, I am so done because we're nowhere near finishing. Right. I haven't even run into another robot yet. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even find you guys. But that that game, that's another Richard Garfield game, and uh, was made by Wizards of the Coast years ago. Uh, and if you see it, get it, because it's fantastic. It is a fun game, really fun, yeah. Josh, tell me about some of your favorite games now. Well, yeah, as you guys know, and some of our listeners may know, I ran a board game group every Thursday night for seven years. And in the process of running that board game night, I would frequently pick up one to two board games a month. So my collection has swelled over the years to probably two to three hundred games. Heck, even a hundred that Joel would call board games. Yay! Hey! Um, probably <laughs> my number one uh, is Twilight Imperium. It is a board game of galactic conquest, politics, and trade. Yeah, when you open it up, it looks like a crazy cross between like Axe and Allies with some uh, almost Settlers of Catan kind of elements where you are building the galaxy out of tile, uh, tiles, so the arrangement of the different planets is different every time. Each player plays a galactic race, and they all have their own special abilities, strengths, and weaknesses. Uh, everybody's secondary concern is going to be military. You can build anything from carriers that have little fighter ships or drop troop marines for assaulting planets up to they call war suns, which are basically death stars. But what's interesting is it's not just like Axis and Allies in space where your victory is most likely to be determined by uh, how many Death Stars you can use to nuke your opponent's fleets. You have to have a defense, and there's often a lot of saber-rattling, but there's also trade, uh, development, uh, there's uh, intergalactic senate where you can have votes on various things and you can attempt to control the senate to maybe keep a player who's about to win from winning via passing laws that penalize them. Now, this is the one that has the big lion head thing on the front, right? Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a I've... big, expensive game, and if you're not extremely familiar with it, you're pretty much saying, all right, this is what we're doing for a Saturday. Okay. 
This one I've wanted to pick up. Um, is it any? Is it at all similar to Cosmic Conquest? Um, it's a little bit more involved. It also borrows inspiration from uh, Game Puerto Rico, where oh, okay. the biggest uh, problem with playing a game like Axes and Allies is you're only having fun when it's your turn. And after your turn, you have the longest time to wait while you're not actually doing anything. You're just sitting and waiting for three other people to take their turns or four other people or whatever. And there's no action you can be taking besides hoping that you can make a plan for your next move and hoping that you're not so destroyed that you won't be able to execute it. One of the cool things about Twilight Imperium is every time somebody takes an action, they will select a role, which will give them an ability to do something and will give every other player a lesser ability. So on every person's phase, everybody's getting a chance to make a decision and advance their own plan. So hmm. I think that's just really neat. It keeps everybody in the game engaged every single turn. That is it is a hard thing for games nowadays, especially if you're trying to make a game that you want to play with a group to make sure that people, everybody who, who is playing is engaged at the same time. Because there are, like you said, there are games where we've played before where it's like, if it's not your turn, you just get distracted. And that's usually what crashes the games because you're not totally involved in what's going on every single time somebody's taking a turn. You know, then you wander yeah, off. If you don't keep Mike focused, then, you know. Totally. <laughs> I'm saying that right now. Yep. No offense, Mike. I agree. No, 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 no. That's also known as, that's why we never learned how to play the World of Warcraft board game is because uh, Jay and Suzanne started reading the rules together. Amanda and I got bored and started drinking absinthe. And <laughs> the rest is forgotten. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other genre I really like, which keeps everybody interested, is when you are not necessarily competing against one another, but you're cooperating. Uh, the questing games, like Warhammer Quest, are one genre, but there are a lot of other ones. Uh, last week when we were talking about Battlestar Galactica, I was talking a little bit about that. It's a cooperative game with a traitor mechanic where some of you are humans, some of you are Cylons, and you're just trying to find Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. But probably uh, the most involved, maybe not my personal favorite, but the most involved in this genre is Arkham Horror. It's basically Call of Cthulhu, the cooperative game. You choose your character, and in each game there's going to be a different great old one who you have to either stop from being summoned or defeat once they're summoned. True to Call of Cthulhu fashion, usually if the great old one shows up, everybody dies. But there are a whole lot of different things you can do to keep them from coming, whether that's killing their cultists. Usually it involves going through gates that have opened to other worlds where horrible monsters are coming out and they blast your sanity and kill you. But you go through the gates to other worlds, come out the other side and seal the gates with elder signs. See, this is another theme that uh, I'm really enjoying in games that have come out like in the last decade is games that you that everybody plays against the game. Where you all play as a team, there is no, there isn't a single winner of the game that either everybody wins or nobody wins. When you see this in games like, um, Forbidden Island, mm-hmm. or if you want to go down to, uh, the Lord of the Rings game, uh, by Rainier Canincia, uh, also is one of those. It's a little bit more brutal, but, um, that's another one where everybody plays against the game. Yeah, did, did and the I game think that's just a great we, version. We tried that. Yeah. <laughs> Sauron won. <laughs> We're like, oh, Sauron won. We failed. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is one of the first uh, popular cooperative games, but it's interesting, now that I've played other co-op games, it's kind of faded in comparison, because you aren't so much playing Lord of the Rings as you're trying to, every turn you advance, the game says, Sauron is getting one step closer to winning, can you stop him? 
and then you either play your stuff to stop him, or Sauron gets one space closer to winning. It almost seems like the game is playing, and you're trying to stop it, rather than you're playing. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That is No, that is true, because it seems like even in the very beginning of the game, you have nothing really on your side... And then you, when you have that first step, Soren just basically gets like first three moves free. There's nothing you can do to stop him at the very beginning of the game. So, but it is, I enjoyed it. Again, you said it was very early. I think I got my copy back in, in 2002. That sounds about right. Somewhere yeah. in that 2002, 2004 would be uh, around the time it got popular. Yeah. And that, and when it came out was really, you know, it was a great thing. You know, I love playing it and losing was pretty normal for it. But, um, now they have, they've in worked with the mechanics to make, like, Forbidden Island is actually a play-together game that's easy to understand, the mechanics work well, and you can, honestly, you play it with kids, too, which is a great thing for me. Yeah, and they did a sequel called Forbidden Desert. Oh, oh okay. Both of them are kind of light versions of a game called Pandemic, where you've basically got a disease that is uh, spreading across the world, actually, usually multiple diseases, and you're trying to shut it down before the Earth's population is wiped out. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick? Yes? What are your favorite games today? Um, easily my favorite is Cards Against Humanity. Uh, like we talked about that earlier. I just think that's a, just a brilliant game. It's just uh, I've never played that game and had a bad time. So um, I also like Taboo a lot. That's a fun game. Um, the best thing about Taboo is if you partner up with somebody that you really know very well, you, you can just whip through those real fast. <laughs> Yeah, if you're with the right person on Taboo, it's really unfair to the rest of yeah, them. Yeah, I would. That's something that you and I should try sometime, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's either going to go amazingly well or it's going to be go amazingly horribly. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, there are. Uh, I, and and, and I, I, I do a lot of game nights as well, kind of like Josh said. You know, I mean, I, I did a lot more before back when I had my apartment before I, you know, I moved back here to Houston. Um, I used to have game nights, you know, once or twice a month, you know, back then. And so I bought a lot of games too, but I sold most of them when I moved back up to Chicago for that little brief time. But I sold a yeah. bunch of them. Um, but I still have a few boxes worth. So I, I like playing a lot of new games too. You know, there's a, there's one game called Imagine If, which is kind of fun, but you have to be playing it with people that you know pretty well. Cause like the character, you know, the questions are things like, you know, imagine, you know, could you roll the die and you, and, and it comes up with, you know, one of the, and, and let's say it rolled and you comes up Joel. You know, so it's like, imagine if Joel was a vegetable. What vegetable would he be? Would he be a fruit, whatever? And everybody, you know, everybody puts their answer down, and then he turn them up at the same time, and, you know, the, the he majority wins. He would be an wins. eggplant. Hmm? You've been egg, an eggplant. What? I'm not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it gives you, like, five or six choices, and you and you, and you you pick those, and then everybody turns their, their cards over. And whoever, you know, if everybody picked number three or four people pick number three, and, you know, two people pick number one or whatever, then the people that all pick the one that got picked the most all move ahead on the board, and everybody else stays behind, and you just keep moving forward like that. Turn your card over. <laughs> but it's, so a fun, it's a fun game, too. This is very good. So, Pat, yeah. when you were up here... We played a lot of board games. We did. Yes. Kill. <laughs> Drink. Did Come I on, type Drink. kill Dr. Licky? <laughs> kill Dr. Lucky uh, is one of my family's favorite games. And we modified now, the hell I, out of it, too. <laughs> what's that? We modified the hell out of it, too. Before, oh, yeah, we did. You know, we had it into almost a spy versus spy kind of scenario going. And then 
<laughs> yeah, we, we modded. We put up a whole bunch of new house rules on that one. People had guns. Um, we, we were talking about line of sight and teleportation and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I was thinking. And what was the one question? It was like, I think he was one of my kids. I think it was Katie's like, why can't I use the pipe on you? It's <laughs> like, well, why not? I don't know. Let's see how well that goes. And then that's when we started um, killing the other characters. <laughs> yeah. We started killing each other off instead of Dr. Lucky. Like, you just, like the one time I killed Susanna, took all her cards, and she just got that look on her face. I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for those of you that don't know, Kill Dr. Lucky is best way to describe it is clue in reverse. Yeah. Where uh, instead of trying to figure out who did it, you're trying to do it by getting him alone, Dr. Lucky alone, where nobody else can see you and using one of your weapons to try to kill him. And then you've got spike tokens that other people can use along with failure cards. So if you have a, let's say the pipe has a uh, weapon total of five, you would need either five points of failure or a combination of tokens and failure cards to make it fail. But then as your every episode, every time you try to kill Dr. Lucky fails, you get another spike token. So little by little, everyone there is this pile of spike tokens that will get transferred from person to person across the board. Now, Josh, I hear you have another opinion about this game. Yeah, well, I hated Kill Dr. Lucky until we played it again on New Year's Eve as a group. And it was partially because the first time I played it, I didn't realize how important it was to not end in a hallway. And one of the quirks about ending in a hallway is depending on how other people play their cards, you can end up going through a sequence of turns where, for one reason or another, uh, the turn order jumps around and you're skipped so you don't get to take a turn. My very first game of Kill Dr. Lucky was an eight-player game where the space in between two of my turns was an hour and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I could see that would turn you off on a yeah, game. Yeah, I, I did not play the game again for, I want to say, six years. Wow. I actually ended up playing an entire different board game in between my turns of that first game of Kill Dr. Lucky. <laughs> Ooh. Well, how about Ticket to Ride? It's a favorite. I've got it right here. Ticket to Ride is a um, it's a train game. Which yeah, which sounds kind of funky, but it's you're it's in the in the um time of the rails. The United States has been covered in we're crossing the uh United States in trains and what your object of the game is is you have to get your train trains on the board to create a link between cities on the board. And the longer the distance, the more points you get for it. So you can connect like um Help me out, Josh. We can get Los Angeles to Seattle. Sure. And you can get a certain amount of points to it. Or you can do L.A. to New York and get a hell of a lot more points. To which one point my we played this, uh, we went down to visit my in-laws. And it was us, my family, you know, Katie, Sophie, Susie, and then my father and mother-in-law were also playing. And we're almost done with the game. And it looks like my father-in-law is going to win. And all he has to do is make this connection between... Ni- I think it's Niagara and New York. Sounds right. One just, of the one just links. little, yeah, like one or two links. And then out of the blue, Sophie, my younger one, who is com- I, when I say completely random, <laughs> I really <laughs> make. I'm not trying to be chintzy. That girl's a kinder by spirit. Yeah, <laughs> she is. She's a kinder. Out of the blue, she just says, "Hey, you know what? I've been doing everything over here in the Texas and L.A. area." She gets up and drops two trains on that link. <laughs> I have never seen my father-in-law want to yell so much. And normally he's a very cool guy, but he, she puts those two links down and he just stands straight up and he's a tall dude. Well, he's, it's like for the next week, we're down there visiting him and out of the blue, we'd sit in there and he goes, she had no business being up in New York. What the hell would she be? Why would she do that? 
<laughs> and you know, he wound up not winning because of those two. And you know, and then I found out later on, my brother-in-law went over to visit them he too. Just broke a sixty-year-old man's psyche, <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty much. And I and uh, my um, Thomas, I talked to my talked to my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law is like, "Yeah, we heard about it all week too." <laughs> he was just like, "I have a question. How many points yes. is it to build a railway from California to Korea?" You need the expansion. I don't have it. Oh, okay. You just reminded me of something, Mike, though. The one time playing a game, which is not properly a board game, certainly not by Joel's definition, but I think a lot of people would call it more of a party game. Zob Mondo. <sighs> now, I recall a time where I got to the craft your own question space, and I crafted a question that made a certain couple actually get into a fight. <laughs> Um, uh, was, would you rather have a daughter who it, it was it was parties all the time or sits up in her room and cries? No, it was it was about kids though because it was you and Su- Suzanne voted differently and she was so mad at you. <laughs> it was. I'd like to say I remember that you're gonna have to be more specific, yeah. man. It was wait a fight. Wait, wait, wait. The, the <laughs> question that day. the question I posed was: Would you rather? Press a button, which would kill 100 strangers in extreme pain while you watched, or would you rather painlessly kill your child with your own two hands? Wow. You suck. Yeah, and, and Mike went with, uh, went with the child, and Suzanne went with the strangers, and that's when the fight started. <laughs> Josh, bring I must, people I I must have drunk. Answer by now. Uh, uh, I must have drunk a lot after this because I don't recall this at all. I, I've told this story. I could change his answer. I, I'm serious. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck the strangers, man. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I was gonna say I don't think you guys had kids at the point, but I've told this story for years. <laughs> Wow, that must have been a hell of a fight because it's completely out of my memory. Yeah, that was back. <laughs> she must have clocked me pretty hard. I want to say that game was just uh, you, me, Suzanne, and then Eric and Emily Ball. Oh my God, yes, in their apartment yep. after uh, th- after Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! And it all comes flooding back. <laughs> yeah. and meanwhile, Mike, somewhere, Suzanne Mike is going to be like, laying on the floor in a fetal position, crying. He's like, "Oh my god, it's all coming back!" <laughs> right, right now, somewhere, Suzanne is gritting her teeth. <laughs> oh my god, I hope she's not behind me. <laughs> Go up there and ask her if she remembers when that. Yeah, happened. I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> oh, luckily, I have her phone number in my phone. Let me send her a little text. Yeah, it's a shame. See, Mike gets to edit the show, so that part might not actually make broadcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, small world, Pat. I'm waiting Josh. for somebody else to say something. Um, I've got to say that I love this game. It is, I mean, just game theory wise, this is a beautiful game. I just, I, it's just a perfect game. I love it a lot. It's, a, it's fun to play. It's going to be different every time you play it. Um, it's, you know, all the pieces are. I mean, like you said, you know, games today now they look really good, and they, you know, it offers a lot of gameplay. And it's just, I mean, it's just a lot of fun, and it's easy to pick up. Josh, you want to give us a description of it? Uh, Small World basically is like a cross between a light Axis and Allies or heavy, dare I say it, risk-type game and something like a History of the World where you play a race of monsters that has a descriptor and you attempt to take that race as far as you can before you don't think you can hold territory or get any more points with them. And then you retire that race and pick up a new combination. Uh, strategically determining when to abandon your current race and pick up a new one and take territory away from other players is a key part of the game. Um, 
I'm also a fan, though I disagree with the statement that it's a perfect game. Oh. There, there are one or two things you have to house rule, and I would understand, because I, I do love this game, but if you've ever played a game with flying skeletons, you would understand <laughs> yes. that flying skeletons are so overwhelmingly broken that you kind of have to house rule skeletons can't fly. I do remember Did I have us flying skeleton. We, I don't think we ever played it, but I do remember us noticing that what a combination that would have been. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it was flying skeletons or flying. No, I had flying vampires. Yeah, no, you had fly, flying wizards. Is what it was. Ooh, flying that was on its own is dropping in and dropping in and dropping. You were able to like like keep teleporting in and out and doing. It was it was really crazy. Well, do you remember what skeletons do? Like every person they kill gives them yeah, extra enemies. soldiers. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you just constantly are ignoring the board and just like moving your pieces wherever there are things to kill. Yeah. Now see, I think that what makes that game so much fun is you can never one you can never get bored of it because e- even from from game to game you can't get bored of it because each game is going to be different every time you play it and if you get bored of your character or whatever team whatever army you're playing you can let them die out and bring in a new one you could do like what mike did he created a he created a race and just wiped it out on his next turn he's like yeah i don't like i don't want them anymore <laughs> Yeah, I did. Because you put you, you like put yourself in a corner and you realize you had nowhere to go. You're like, okay, I'm just done. I'm going to retire. Already puts baby in a corner. <laughs> yeah, you know, And then there's a ton of expansions to it, which I need to pick up. So, but I, I did. Enjoy so I think that we're com- That was probably my favorite game of, of, of the ones that you introduced me to. Mike. So I'm glad you liked it. We should, oh, and there is actually a uh, iPhone and Android version. Though I hear the Android version is kind of buggy. And I'm pretty sure it's on Steam as well. Yeah, most of the uh, Days of Wonder board games have a Steam version. So, although it might be Small World Two on Steam, yeah, it is. So, is uh, anybody got anything else to chip in for um for the show? I mean, I, I could go on for hours and hours, but I won't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we gaming is one of the things that we have uh, very much in common with us, except for Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. I gamed. I just am not like you guys are. No offense. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're more of a, you're, I say, I don't want to say it disparagingly, but you're more of a casual gamer, party gamer type. Yeah. Of and I mean, I played my fair share of, of games where I enjoyed myself and I played to some acclaim, but, uh, yeah, it's never been my bag, so to speak. Your passion. Yeah. Passion. But we all have our own things, right? And that's what yeah, makes yeah. the world wonderful. Yes. Like Simon. So. Thanks for listening. And guess what we are doing next week? I know. Next week. You know? Yeah. What is it? Uh, in honor of the ET abduction week. That is, falls on next Thursday, right? Correct? Uh, I think it's the 20th. Is, uh, alien abduction day. Yeah. We are going to be doing close encounters of the third kind and the movie the fourth kind for our now. So, See what it did yay, there. aliens. Yes. And if you haven't seen them, watch them, because they are uh, pretty dang good movies in their own right. That is what, like almost four hours worth of Alien movies with about two and a half minutes worth of Aliens actually seen between the two movies? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen the new one yet, so uh, I'll be looking forward to that. It, I, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. And it's got multi-pass, Mila Jovovich. Yes, we watched, we, Pat and I watched that one when he was up here, and, uh, he said before my, my daughter came down, can I watch this? And, no. <laughs> yeah, cause I'd already seen it, and I was like, no, you should not be seeing this at your age, it will probably night. Yeah, this is cause daddy doesn't want to be up all night putting away the, putting away, uh, all the things coming out of your closet. <laughs> right. So, um. Between then and now, if you'd like to get a hold of us to talk to us about board games, or alien abductions, or anything else, you can, uh, alien, con- board alien board games. 
Yeah. You can contact us at 40go14 at gmail.com. Uh, leave us an email and, uh, we'll read it on the air. Or if you want to call us, you can call us at 708 now wrap, W-R-A-P, as Joel says, like a present. That's 708-669-9727. Where can they find Merry the new show? Where can they find You can find the new show at, uh, 40go14 at gmail. I mean, 40go14.com. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, you can find it there. You can also find our posts on Facebook, also let you know when the new shows come out. Or if you want to be on, uh, if you're on your phone, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Blueberry and on Stitcher and on TalkShoe. That sounds like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's how that I get correct. a hold of us. Sounds good yep. to me. So I'm Mike. I'm saying goodnight and you guys have a good one. I'm Pat. I'm Joel. And I'm Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch the sides. That's not Simon. It's not a board game either.